0: Good evening and welcome to the Finance, Government Operations, and Economic Development Committee CIP work session. I'll call the meeting to order. This room has a hearing loop. If you need hearing assistance, switch your hearing aid to telecoil mode. If you need a headset, we have those available as well. Please see the clerk to request one. This meeting serves as our first work session on proposed CIP. Uh, I think hopefully everybody on the board has had an opportunity to have a briefing with staff and to submit questions and projects that are in the CIP, or maybe in my case, missing from the CIP. The goal for this evening's meeting is for the committee to look at scenarios, give staff direction that we'll use to provide feedback for the committee at our next meeting, which is scheduled as part of our finance committee meeting on Tuesday, March 12th, uh, and we'll make a recommendation on the CIP at that time to the full board. So I will uh, turn it over to staff. I do wanna mention though, that we are fortunate to have Kevin Lewis from Loudoun County Public Schools with us for the beginning part of the meeting. Kevin has another uh, a school board commitment this evening, so we committed to uh, having all of our LCPS-related related, uh, CIP questions up front so that Kevin can get on to his other business. Nikki.
1: Good, good evening, um, Chair Leterno, members of the committee. Um, Last evening, you received the CIP work session packet. Um, Included in that packet is an item which gives an overview of the proposed CIP. As attachments, you received responses to questions that staff received through February 20th. We've also included the question database, which includes all questions we have received, and there are a few questions that will have responses for the March 12th packet. Um, You also have... um, responses, questions and responses from Loudoun County Public Schools, and lastly, you have a set of replacement pages for projects by election district, um, which corrects some errors with um, some projects. Um, So, Supervisor Letourneau, if if we do have um, a brief presentation that we can hold on until after um, discussion with LCPS, if that is your desire.
0: Um, It might be good just to have the brief presentation to kind of get everybody in the swing. um, And then we'll go right to any LCPS questions first. Okay.
1: Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you. All right. So
0: we are monitors here. There we go. They just woke up. They were just slow. Okay. All right.
1: Okay, so the CIP maintains um, the board's adopted CIP. This slide here just gives you a summary of um, the six-year funding, which is $3.5 billion, county projects at 1.1 billion, or 32% of the six-year funding, transportation projects at 1.4 billion, or 40%, and then school projects at 996 million. Um, Project costs and schedule changes for existing projects have been accommodated and are represented in the proposed cip some of those schedule changes did um, result in slight um, production schedule delays for some projects that created limited capacity for new projects On this slide, this shows the board member requests that were accommodated in the CIP, the Cascades Library and Senior Center Complex, the Eastern Loudoun Community Arts Center, and the indoor sports facility. And this slide also just shows all of the new projects that were added to the CIP, um, if we need to discuss any of these throughout the Um, work session they are all listed here um, that have been accommodated either by department priority board priority Um, as I've already noted project completion delays particularly on road projects um, those resulted in most of the changes to projects that are existing projects in the CIP and the accommodated town project, we had one, which was the town of Round Hill, uh, Airmont water storage tank. This project is um, accommodated based on its impact to county residents living outside the town limits of Round Hill affected by this um, water tank project. And finally, the as far as funding scenarios, we did not receive funding scenarios in advance we just wanna remind the committee that all CIP revenues are fully programmed and that standing board guidance for funding scenarios is to include a project offset. Transportation projects leverage special revenue sources which are not easily moved to another project and production schedules may limit the ability of projects to move. So the project schedules that are represented in the proposed document, these reflect the most updated expectation for how these projects will their, um, move, how their production schedules are set, and so there is not an expectation that we would alter those um, production schedules to accommodate newer projects. Um, that is the end of our slide. We can certainly take um, questions or turn to
0: LCPS. Yes, yeah, um, and I have some and others have some, but I think let's start specifically with LCPS. So are there any members of the committee that do have LCPS questions? I have one, but I will uh, yield to Supervisor Briskman first.
2: Thank you, Um, I I think I just had one, and that was I saw the new item for a school replacement program. Is that anything other than um, uh, Parkview?
3: So yes, ma'am, thank you for the question. <clears throat> the school replacement program has now been uh, the, the last school board put a policy in place for for us to evaluate all of our schools and our inventory uh, that reached the age of 75 to have a full-blown facility condition assessment at age 75 and then a, a um, short version of the facility assessment at the half-life, so in year 37 or so. So what that is in anticipation of um, that program becoming more of, you know, as, as we finish building new schools at the rate we used to, and we're starting to re- reinvest in our inventory, then we need to be looking at whether or not a school needs to be replaced or re- renovated or um, restored, and so that's the beginning of that process, and we started it in the out years so that what you see there is the first installment of uh, design money.
2: Okay, do you have any idea, you may not know this offhand, do you have any idea how many schools are gonna be hitting 75 years?
3: Uh, I do have that study, I'm not sure. There's there's probably 10 or 11 that are on that list that we studied. And so our our staff does the first tabletop study and then we we hire consultants to help us with the in-depth stuff.
2: Okay, all right, Uh, thank you. I think that's all I have, Chair Um, Letourneau, thank you.
3: Thank you. Um, I
0: have a couple of questions, I don't see any other lights on. First one related to HS14. So I know Supervisor Dracroni submitted some questions about the timing of HS14 and had raised at our joint meeting the possibility of it opening for the 2027 school year and your response indicated that that would not be possible could you just elaborate a little bit more on what the challenges are there and i know you i think you were up for a commission permit last night from the planning commission and they actually sent it to work session which i'm sure is probably not helpful from a timeline standpoint but could you explain a little bit more what the, what's going into that discussion
3: Absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Letourneau. So the the HS-14 project is in that commission permit process. Uh, we do fully anticipate um, that the, um, the the project is a four-story. It's going to be our first four-story school. That campus is not an easy campus to build on because it's got a good bit of, of grade, and it's solid rock, so we know it's going to be an extended amount of time to build on, which also adds to our hesitation to, tr- to accelerate. But probably the most... Um, a uh, defining part of that is we we are um, confident we've already done a preliminary um, traffic study that was mentioned in the, in the commission permit last night that we do uh, know that the road improvements on evergreen Mills Road will be required for the opening of the school and the timeline for that is even longer than the one for the school so we're we're confident we can open the school in in the fall of twenty eight and we're pressing as hard as we can to be in line and and be ready for the road improvements as well
0: and those road improvements are not going to be in place or don't need to be in place for the opening of the new middle school, that's in that that's, that's correct. So they're separate?
3: They are, yes. Sir.
0: Will they, are we going to run into issues when the middle school
3: opens because they're not in place? Um, we don't believe so, we've got a plan. I mean, one of the things that if you, and I don't have an exhibit, but the design of the middle school includes a good bit of, of road work on the campus, so there's okay. plenty of room for stacking. The exit and entrance is off of Red Hill Road. Um, And we have heard from neighbors that they're concerned about that, but we are doing improvements right now that are in place. Probably 75% of the improvements are in place now at that intersection. We're adding turn lanes, both on Evergreen Mills and on Red Hill Road. So we believe we can manage that traffic
0: but that's not going to be sufficient for HS14.
3: It will not. And and also, you know, the commission permit includes an elementary school as well. And so that's mm-hmm. down the road. It's not been uh, designated for a time to be open yet, but so okay. when you get all three schools there, it will it will definitely need that that additional improvements.
0: Okay. Just more broadly, last year at last year's version of this meeting, I brought up the sort of design standards that the county and the schools had agreed upon years ago that I think had sort of been forgotten or abandoned. Um, and it remains the case, obviously we've had huge increase in construction costs across the board, both county and school facilities. But you know, a high school today is a really expensive project. So has there been any movement or progress on some components of value engineering, but also just facility standards um, where we kind of have a set idea of going in and we're sort of fiscally constrained about all the things that are getting added into the projects
3: yes sir so beginning with last year's cip the fy24 cip we have a chapter in our our document that revisited all those standards uh, and has looked at that Um, but those are are more of a, a general design parameters and not specific design parameters uh, we are f- fully aware that costs are going up. It's getting more expensive. We have had a tremendous amount of um, inflation during the COVID period. The cost of materials, the delivery of materials, the availability of materials is getting better, but it's still not back to where it was. And so that's causing some more pressures on, on bids and pr- a lot of pressure on contractors and subcontractors to give us a bid on bid day and then hold it for however long they need to to do that. So those things are still there. We are taking that into consideration. We're looking at different types of systems, HVAC systems in particular, um, knowing we have some, some pretty significant goals on energy conservation, but those systems are usually a little bit more expensive. So we're going through those value processes right now with our engineers to determine as an example, hs 14 we haven't decided exactly what the HVAC system is going to be because we know the costs are going to be significant.
0: Okay. And then I always raise sort of designing the schools with community use in mind as well. So I think you and I have had some dialogue in the past about maybe some of the shortcomings of the current high school design. So I'm hoping we can maybe look at some of those things with HS14, uh, particularly with access to restrooms around the theater area and that kind of thing. (laughs) Which is a continued problem at any event that's at Independence or Lightridge. So. <laughs> it is,
3: and we've had conversations in house about that very good. thing, And um, but I will definitely go back and double check on thank
0: that. Thank you. We can always yeah. follow up offline. Yeah. Okay, I saw Mr. Sainz first and then Chair Randall. Well,
3: thank
1: you, Chair. Uh, good to see you, Mr. Lewis. Um, real quickly and high level, can you give us an update on the Parkview redo? And then to clarify my question um, regarding the graduation rate, you said the graduation rate is 97%. So does that mean the dropout rate is 3%
0: or is there more clarity that needs I to be I think that's probably an operating question for LCPS, so and yeah. not a CIP one from Mr. Yeah. Lewis. All right, for that so one, we'll for the- hold on that one. Yeah,
3: okay, on the graduation yeah. one, but it can give us a high level on where we're at with the park view redo. Um, yes, sir, thank you for that. So we are extremely excited about that. We've had a number of community meetings and we've met with the uh, the architects and the contractor we have. This is a construction management at risk project because of the complexity of, of having an occupied uh, campus. And so we've had a number of those meetings we have brought to the community our are preliminary schematic designs. And so they have been very, very well received. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to see those yet or not, but um, our our comments and communications from the staff and from the community has been positive. Uh, We are getting um, some terrific input on proximities and adjacencies inside from the school staff. Um, So we are well on our way to have um, the project start on, in construction and be on time for the the fall of 27 uh, and then so we we have at least one more community meeting that we're planning to go through I'll also say that I give a shout out to Mr. Torpy and his folks for helping us work on how we're going to manage athletics during this period of time and so we're working through partnerships with that and have a plan to um, have a place for those kids to uh, to practice every day and to play so that those plans are coming along they're not completely defined yet but it's been uh, one of the focuses we have to try to have as little impact on those students as we can.
1: Yeah, very good. Yes, I saw the designs. They look very uh, well done, um, and I know there were a couple of feedback that the the principal and the community gave. Like one one instance was, I guess, like a parent room. Um, so hopefully that could be added into to the design. And I know there are some questions or or pushback on some of the <laughs> programming. So um I guess in the next meeting you guys will hopefully address those 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 concerns that were raised.
3: Yes, sir, that's our plan. Okay, very right, very good. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right, Chair Randall. Thank you. Um
4: and thank you for the park view redo or the park view update. Um I remember going to a couple of, of the community meetings around Parkview, and there were lots of concerns, and and I will say the school the school system has done a great job. That's into the st- concerns of the students, the parents, um, the the admin, and you know I, I follow I'm 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 tagged almost every day on the Parkview Redo page, and and you know you know there's little things here and there but for the most part it's it's a it seems to be a very positive experience for for the parkview community so thank you for that i thought mr latourney was going to go on his question because he asked this every year and maybe it it doesn't need to be asked anymore but just in case when he talked about the school some of the school redesign um, how are we and where are we um, for the school redesigned all the schools being redesigned for the safety issue i know the high schools you know, you, you know, you, you, you can't walk into the into some of the schools. You have you, have, you are you are moved into a, a, an office first before you can walk into the school. So no one can just walk into the school building. Of course, you know, you see all the security outside. You have to show your ID. All of that stuff is very very good, very appreciated. But have we refitted all the all the schools, and so that you cannot walk straight into the school? You have to you're the first person to an office before you can walk into the school building.
3: So thank you for that question. I appreciate the opportunity to, one, thank this board for the support for that program. It's been a five-year program and probably 112 I think, million, dollars, and we will complete that project this summer, and so by the fall of 24, all of them will be done. I don't know the exact num- names of the schools, but there are six more to be done this summer, and then we'll have those complete, and um, then everyone will have what we call a secure vestibule when they enter the building.
4: That is so important, and thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: Yeah, one of those is John Champ because that's where my kids go, and they haven't done it yet. And they just had a uh, discussion with the parents about the fact that that project was coming. So, um, okay, two members of the committee are here with us this evening. So, welcome, Mr. Ker- uh, non-members of the committee, uh, Mr. Kirshner and Mr. Turner. Um, I will. I saw Mr. Kirshner's light on first, so we'll go to him, and then Mr. Turner.
5: Thank you, Supervisor Letourneau. Um, it's good to be here. I don't always get to sit in on finance, but for this discussion, and I wanted to be here at least for a little bit tonight. Um, I, I've been talking to a number of developers working on some of the schools, and, and I don't know if you can or can't ask, but I think this would kind of be wrapped in the CIP. It's a, it's a question of interest for me. My understanding is the schools have essentially gone to, every school is now, the, the uh, objective is to become a LEED-certified uh, school. Is, is that, whether it's silver or gold, I'm not sure, but is, is that an accurate statement?
3: I'm not prepared to say that's a a goal for every school. It is a goal for the Parkview High School Program. We have Mm -hmm. committed to doing that there. Uh, We're looking at that process right now for HS14. It is something that we would consider. Um, I will also say that we have been designing our schools to meet LEED certification standards for years, uh, LEED and Green Globes as well as as the, uh, the, the CHIPS as the Collaborative High Performance Schools. So we have all those standards in place and we've been each year our our designers are designing to that in in addition to the energy star program so i think it's a a high probability that we will move that way Uh, we haven't made that commitment yet but i think uh, it is something that's important to our students. We're, we're realizing how important that is to, for, to show that leadership with our students.
5: Yeah, and, and I appreciate that, that conceptually. I, I will tell you, I'm a little concerned about it, and i let me tell you why. Obviously, when you do a little research on this, you realize that the certification process itself can raise the cost anywhere from 15 to 30%. And obviously, if we're spilling many, millions and millions of dollars, you go through a process that's gonna cost us. Now, I know at the county, we have some requirements for this as well, but I have, and, and I'm just throwing this out food for thought, um, but I, but I have talked to a number of contractors who say they build their buildings essentially with this, similar efficiency, but don't have, go through the same process and save themselves 15 to 20 percent on those projects. So, just food for thought. You know, obviously we're we we are. Anytime you program our CIP is pretty tight. So, just um, I don't know if you have anything to say about that, but I have that was brought to my attention.
3: I do, and I I appreciate the opportunity. So. Um I think typically what we have learned over the years of looking at this is that the 15 or 30% numbers that you hear in the market are based on uh, an energy model that is the ASHRAE basic model that is not what we build to start with. So we are already, Uh, building a better HVAC system, as I mentioned a minute ago, we're looking at those, so we're already getting the savings on the the cost per square foot on the the energy conservation, and we're already spending those money to provide better systems, but also say those systems are more reliable and, and better in control, and so they meet the expectation of our client, which our staff and our students and our parents. And so we, we are providing better systems. So moving to the lead certification process is not as big a leap and it certainly won't result in in a 15 to 30%. Um, Likely we will find that the only change is going to be for us at this point is the actual certification process, which is maybe a few thousand. So we don't think it's going to be a a huge impact of that.
5: And if that's the case, then obviously that's, that's better, but I appreciate, thank you for watching out for the taxpayer dollars. Appreciate
3: it. Absolutely.
0: And Mr. Turner.
6: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, the Ryan Road from Beaver Dam Drive to Evergreen Mills Road was delayed, and the reason was land acquisition and construction phases were delayed Is one it, year. Sir Is this a school question?
0: We're only no, on school. I'm course. sorry. I thought we'd moved on. Sorry. We have not yet All moved of, on. Nope. Yep. Only school questions so far. We're going to have a.
6: Yep. That's yep. fine.
0: All right. Any, well, any other school questions for Mr. Lewis? Seeing none, Mr. Lewis, thank you for being with us. Um I know if anyone has anything to follow up, we'll submit it through the the process, but we appreciate you being here and good luck with the rest of your evening.
3: Absolutely, I appreciate the invitation and also get me in and out. I'm going to go back to the school board meeting. We can keep you here longer if you need an excuse. I mean,
0: we're more fun to be with, if you ask me, but... (laughs) I'll make sure they know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Facts, facts. Facts. Okay, does staff want to... Um, say anything additional about the remainder of the CIP?
1: I do not have any comments. Okay, I was
0: gonna ask sort of one question to kind of prompt discussion, and then we can go to specific ones, which is there were some new projects added as a result of staff prioritization. I think you had a slide on that. Um, Maybe we can just go back to that because those are ones that the board Some of them are board priorities, but others were, I think the term we're using is departmental priority, not necessarily board priority. Um, The transportation ones there in particular, I do want to focus on because the Route 15 Hogback Mountain Road roundabout came out of the Route 15 corridor study that the board heard. And before the meeting, we actually went back and watched the tape on this. And I said something like, I wanna make sure that some of these projects don't automatically roll into the CIP because the study is sort of showing there's not a pressing need for them. That was one of them that at the supervisor at the time, Mr. Buffington was not particularly supportive of moving forward with that project. I don't even think Mr. Kirshner said anything in support of moving forward with the project. Um, It's a relatively low volume intersection. I question putting an entire roundabout on Route 15 just because we're slowing down all the 15 traffic just for that one intersection, and yet here it is. So that's one of them. And then the 7690, with everything going on in Percival, I think there may be a bit of an update on that one. Um, But, so let's start with those two, maybe.
7: Sure. All right, regarding the Route 15 Hogback Mountain Road, that, you're correct, that that we did go to the board with that report in February of 2022. Um, Our DTCI staff did review that same footage that you also did. Um, the board at that time forwarded it to TLUC for further consideration. We also reviewed that um, footage, and um, TLUC did have a short discussion about Hogback Mountain is actually a public road. I think there was yeah. some discussion about it no, is a public yeah. road. Um, they talked briefly about the accident history, um, and then they sent it back to the full board recommending approval of the list and it was passed on consent.
0: The list, but not necessarily priority. So there were, as I understand it, there were departmental projects that exist out in the ether, and I, you know I know about one of them, but this one got pushed to the top of the list as a departmental priority over all the others.
7: And so and so then um, when it came time for this year's CIP process, the department reviewed, um, you know, Basically reviewed all of our corridor studies, looking for the prioritization that the board had already directed for each of those corridors. In this case, for this part of for this corridor, um, that study identified number one priority was Braddock um, Roundabout, and number two was Hogback Mountain Road. And so we forwarded this as part of a, a longer list of, cor- you know, the next the next one down on the corridor list that had been prioritized by the board. Um, so that's how it ended up on the list for okay. consideration in the CIP.
0: Okay. And then, and then, is there any update on the 7690?
7: Yes. Yeah, so, since we since this document went to print, um, and since DTCI provided our our update, including the recommendation for phasing 7690 and needing to come in with a second phase project, as the board likely recalls, that um, we we held up for some period of time over a, a the vacation of a floodplain easement uh, we needed the town of Percival to act on. Um, and it was appearing at the time when we sent this information that we would need to phase the project into two phases. And so the second phase was advanced in needing to bring into the CIP. Um, since that time, the town of Percival has actually vacated that easement. And so um, our team has put the project, the two phases, back together. And so, yeah, is there anything you want to say, Nikki, about that? But, but it is true that we don't need that second phase any longer. The project is now one phase.
0: Okay, so that can be something that is proposed for a scenario swap, which I will do at the appropriate time, that is currently in the CIP. We no longer need that project, and it is programmed for um, 3.5 million and 28, I think?
7: Yeah, it's one of the later years, that's correct. Okay, all
0: right. Let's just kind of do questions first, and then we'll kind of get into specific scenario um, proposals, if, if others have them. So other members of the committee. Anything else on this sort of priority list? The, the rest of them, I think, that are added. One of them is a PRCS priority. The others are public safety. All right, Supervisor so
2: Sure, I'm the only one with questions. <laughs> um,
0: A lot of you and me tonight, probably. Okay.
2: (laughs) I I don't even have a lot, but... um, (laughs) On table three, um, changes for phasing, excuse me, purposeful delay in project deferrals. I know that staff mentioned that um, it's very difficult to reallocate funds to other projects because of the funding streams and those sorts of things. But in all of those projects, were we able to identify any savings that could be
7: sent somewhere else or or used somewhere else. For table three? On page five. I wanna make sure I'm clarifying what your question is. So um, I'll just start by saying that this year we went through, uh, so as, as the board is aware, we've been experiencing delays related to utility um, relocation. And, and also some coordination on some of these projects, coordination with local entities, other, other jurisdictions, and that sort of thing. Um, so based on the lessons learned that we've seen over the last couple of years, um, DTCI went through and reevaluated and updated our estimates and schedules. And so we've done that for all of the projects in the CIP. And so when you look at this list and you'll see, there's some, that, some projects based on what we thought we could actually deliver. Some projects were recommended for accelerating. There were some delays based on our most recent experience, especially related to utilities. Um, and so, so that's, that's what this re- list reflects, is those changes. So related to cost estimates, we didn't see a whole lot of costs going down. Uh, we did see cost inc- increases um, related to some of these things. Uh, Jim, did you want to add something?
8: One particular project wanted to point out the um, uh, our, our our big Route Seven widening project from uh, uh,
9: mm-hmm.
8: uh, Dallas Greenway to um, uh, Route Nine,
9: mm-hmm.
8: uh, we were able to uh, take advantage of a uh, significant value engineering study that VDOT performed for us, and uh, built in a number of savings uh, with the roadways, uh, planned cross-section and, and other methods to uh, reduce the footprint of the project. Um, uh, so, so compared to what we would have had to do if we just did a, a total... Com- uh, <clears throat> uh, Sorry. Complete uh, adherence to all the geometric standards—the the like what I like to call the gold watch from a design. It's basically a value engineering process to um, uh, generate some savings and reduce the project's footprint. Okay. So, but
2: that's been absorbed somewhere. Yes, that, yeah, that, okay. that, that's been that's
8: been <laughs> right. incorporated into the current uh, budgets. But it would have been worse otherwise it, without without that study.
9: Okay.
2: Um, and then um, <clears throat> this was kind of answered in the in the um, attachment but if someone could just speak to how the pri- the projects were prioritized for example um, the indoor sports facility has um, its first million dollars for planning I think in 26 whereas the senior center and library doesn't get the planning dollars till 28 the million dollars. <clears throat>
1: So, typically, new projects do start at the back of the CIP and and work their way forward. Um, In the instance of the indoor sports facility, this is a project that the board has given staff direction on. a few years ago as a P3 consideration. And so in the process of being able to move that along, we need to define that project. And so in order to kind of keep that ball rolling in in consideration of a P3, we needed to have funding allocated to be able to do some um, preliminary work to define that
2: project. Okay, just one more question, Chair. Um, So I I do have a motion up here uh, tonight about putting um, the Askegrins um, Park, Passive Park, in the later years list Um, and i didn't i apologize i didn't preview this question with you but if i also wanted to make sure that we preserved certain buildings and and structures that are on the property does that have to be a, a cip project or how how do we make sure that happens and what i'm thinking about in the back of my head is the the sterling school that was used for a lot of training and then we weren't really able to save it which I, you know I would consider it kind of a historical structure so if you guys could just let me know how I go about making sure that um, you know when we do finally own the buildings that we don't have them destroyed <laughs>
1: um, I believe do, I can take okay I believe that as part of this motion that'll add the project to the project identify Future development when we speak to you as to get your priorities and kind of understand what it is that, you're looking for in that project we can just make sure that we understand that that's a priority and consider that as part of that development.
2: okay fantastic thank you
3: Thank you
0: I'm going to go to the non-committee members in a second but just one other question on the department priority so what are the what were the rest of the projects that were under consideration and the next department priority on DTCI specifically was I think it was Bull Run post office Road but can you share that?
1: Are you speaking specifically to the road project? Yeah,
0: like for DTCI, yeah, because we just discussed the fact that we could yeah. we don't need the 7691 anymore. Yeah. What were the other projects?
1: We have a um, table that we can pull up for you to okay. um, that Miss Boyd can speak to.
7: There we go. So this is the this is basically the top portion of the list that we provided to omb Um, and so you can see 7690 because of that being the second phase of what we thought we needed to do um, for 7690 that was the number one Um, Number two and three, so you can see the ranking. Um, Essentially what is not shown in this table is that another factor that we used to consider these, um, that was used to consider where these were in rankings was whether or not it was in the future projects, the future future projects list. I can't remember the um, abbreviation for it. Um, And so that was another, and so one and four were on that list. Um, And then another primary consideration, and probably even more significant, was that there really wasn't a whole lot of room. And and the OMB can speak to this as well. There was only, what, the 15 million roughly um, to be able to move any projects into the outer years. And so some of the later projects that you see farther down the list were actually exceeding what our capacity was. Uh, But this was the list that we provided. And it was basically, as you said, this is a combination of, as I mentioned before, the top the next one down on the corridor priority lists that had already been done, and then a couple of them had already been identified as board priorities in other ways. So it's a combination of board priorities and the, the corridor study priorities.
0: Those, how those two got into the...
7: Those two got in there because they were part of... Corridor, well, the first one was because it was the second part, the second phase of the 7690 project, number four hogback mountain was the next project down on the corridor prioritization list
0: right okay all right um i think mr turner and then mr Kirshner, or sorry can, yeah can
9: i
10: just make one note i just wanted to make everyone aware there's asterisks noting the two red Projects, those are that's because those two projects are in the CIP, so their costs yeah. reflect year over year escalations. The rest of the project costs are in 2023, $20, so that's why you'll see you know, Bull Run Post Office Road looks less expensive than number four, but it just hasn't been ex- has ex- inflated
0: it. yet. Because, inflated. Yep.
6: Yeah,
0: okay, all right, so Mr.
6: Turner. Uh, thank you mr chair Uh, my questions on also on table three the ryan road widening it was delayed Uh, land acquisition and construction phases were delayed one one year Um, i'm just curious as to why what the reason for that delay was and if it's related at all there's major development going in on one side of that stretch of road and i'm wondering if they've proffered any of the development of that road
7: so land acquisition was delayed one year uh, but the construction was not really delayed as long as what appears Uh, basically it was not fully the construction phase wasn't fully funded until fiscal year 28 and we needed the full funding anyway it was just how the funding was shown
6: okay do we know if that development that's going in on the south side of that stretch of road is have proffered any widening on that road
7: i know i don't think i can answer that question i don't know if i have up there we have mark here
8: Uh, oh, okay there we go okay thank you my understanding is that is actually in uh, just came out of work session from the Planning Commission and it is now preparing to go to uh, the board in a public hearing and um, the last update that I heard is that the developer is still thinking that they are going to proffer uh, some of the improvements on Ryan Road okay. so so that is also one of the st- Issues that we're dealing with on the development of that, and, and we didn't want to get out too fast on the development as that scenario is still That's what I was developed, saying. as well as yeah. coordinating with H, uh, HS14. Okay.
6: Well, I suspected that. I just yeah. want to confirm it. Great. Thank you very much.
0: Okay. Mr. Kirshner?
5: Thank you, Chair. I'm glad I'm here. Mr. Latournau is trying to mess with my projects in the West a little bit. I mean, we'll just call it mess with the West a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, I, I do. First of all, I want to thank staff for all the hard work. I know this is a big project to put together every single year, and you guys do a tremendous job with it. Um, just a couple of comments that I have. Um, I, I want to the, the Hogback Mountain project and why that was decided in large part. It, my my recollection from when we went through this what a year or two ago, is that there there were a fair number of accidents there, and there was. Is, can can you speak to that briefly? and, and, and while you're looking that up or.
7: Yeah, I'm going to ask Jim to start, and then yeah. uh, perhaps Susan to add to it.
8: And, and why would it? Was was it was just uh, um, uh, overall terms, uh, high crash rate because of a uh, uh, lack of turn lanes at that intersection, uh, where you know there, there are some uh, uh, you know, pretty si- significant uh, attractions up on the top of the mountain, and um, fair amount of traffic, you know, turning off and on. Uh, uh, Hogback Mountain from US fifteen, and um, just you know over time has uh, you know, established a track record of um, uh, a fair number of, of uh, crashes, some of them severe. Okay,
7: and I don't, Susan may have a, some additional information to add there. I did not bring the study with me, so I cannot. I don't think have it. The number of crashes at my fingertips, but. Uh, It was a crash hotspot that was identified during the Route 15 South study, and it was...
5: Well, I remember uh, it being, like, red, and that's why, I'm assuming that's why, maybe we can get that answer later. That's one of the reasons this was put higher priority in the CIP, and in the project itself, the corridor.
7: Yes, you're correct. Yes. Okay. There had been several. Yeah. And I know
5: the wineries back there, there's a lot of traffic, they travel, especially on weekends, I would assume, as well, more even so than during the week. But that was my recollection. So. Yes, and, okay. and
7: the road connects to Mount Gilead Road, which people can take to head west.
5: Okay, thanks. Um, so the, the, I just want to make sure I understand in, in the, the brief discussion that was had earlier on the, set, the Route 7690 interchange. That was divided into two, but now we've combined it to one. Correct. Is Mr. Letourneau's proposal to change that or just to take the second phase out?
0: The, yeah, the, the section here is no longer needed so since it's it's now to take it out and i will propose a swap others may as well to put something else into that
5: but will that impact if that happens will that impact the project in any way
7: no it was a later phase for future year this project is going to be bid in the next year okay um, it's a different different funding year
5: okay fair enough um for the next thing i just briefly want to address thank you for the work on the round hill airmont water storage tank that was critically needed i know worked with them and and um Mr. Hemstreet and and staff here to make sure that this is really, really critical. Obviously, and and I really appreciate Supervisor Umstead and the work that she did back during the October meeting, we went back, my staff went back and looked at it, um, really advocated well, I was unable to make that meeting. Um, But I did notice, unfortunately, nothing else from any of the towns cut into this year. Um, Is there a criteria um, by which that maybe I can, and and there are several in Lovettsville that were pretty low ticket items as well as the Hamilton sewer rehab project, perhaps that could be done through the wastewater program phasing, et cetera. But is there a criteria um, when staff gets together and looks at the towns, do, are they looking for the town to put in a certain percentage of skin in the game here? Is there, um, I, you know, cause we, we obviously get these on a regular basis and when we only get one funded because I specifically work pretty hard on it, my question is how, how do our towns get some of the needs that that they're looking for? Can anyone speak to that?
1: Um, So that has been a criteria for town projects that we would prioritize um, requests that the town is also putting up their own funding in addition to requesting something from the county. Um, Overall, the board's standing direction has been prioritize county projects over town requests, Um, and then as far as what we've typically funded for towns are Um, transportation related so we can leverage MBTA 30% funding um, and also um, public health safety um, issues so in particular like the water sewer um, the route I'm sorry not route um, town of Round Hill Airmont water tank was one of the projects that kind of rose in priority because of um, its impact on county residents which is also another Um, factor that we look at is are any of the town projects impacting county residents as well. So um, those are just a number of different um, criteria we look at and then of course just overall capacity
5: available in the CIP too. Right and I I think that may be the largest factor but I would and I appreciate the answer. Um, I think this is maybe something that I would ask the chair and uh, um, both the chair of finance and the chair of the board maybe as we go into future discussions in future years as to how we view the town my, my thought process obviously is the all these town residents are obviously county residents and um, they have limited budgets and obviously we have if it makes sense then we need to maybe change our criteria a little bit and how these actually get these get funded because i would note that a number of these projects did have town funding that we did not fund and um, I don't know if there's, I can work, we can work a little bit offline. It's a little hard to do in a forum like this to see if there's any other pockets of funding to get some of these smaller projects, or we can go back to the town and say, hey, if you pony up X number, then yeah. then the, maybe we can find these contingency funds. So um, I, that would be perhaps helpful through that process. Thanks.
10: Chair. Look. Uh, uh,
0: Ms. Ms. Burke.
10: I also just wanted to add that every fall, um, staff does solicit any town requests that have to be uh, approved by town council and transmitted to the board via the finance committee. Um, and so every fall we do bring these town requests to the, the committee for guidance. And this year the only guidance we got on town requests were to prioritize um, water sewer and, and and serious public health um requests and so that was the guidance that we executed for this round
5: no i appreciate it obviously both the, um with the exception of uh, um, um supervisor Ran- or chair randall obviously the two western 11 supervisors who represent all the towns are not on the finance committee so maybe um, we need to pay a little more attention to that make sure that happens but and work on the guidance so i appreciate that answer
0: <laughs> you walked into that one. Chair Randall?
4: You did, since the chair the, the chair asked you that you want to be on finance and you chose to be on no, t left Okay, okay.
5: The chair always <laughs> says that the chair... Well, Randall, I told you I do. And, and honest, and
4: so that, I but let that. me also say this, though. There is something called COT, and I don't know what is discussed at COT. I think last year was Supervisor Armstrong, Supervisor Kirshner on COT, and this year is Supervisor DeCrony and Supervisor Kirshner. So, you know, I... I, I I agree with what you said, Mr. Kirshner. Um, the, the towns obviously are our constituents, and 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 I don't see them any different than than somebody who doesn't live in a town. I see it just the same. And there has not been a time that the the towns have not called us, or, or reached out, or said something that they needed that we didn't try to accommodate both in the the CIP, but but also in as you know in the operating budget, as you know, very very recently. So. You know, I would say that um, I, I think the I think everyone is is more than willing and has over and over again bent over backwards and will continue to because we should to make sure our towns are strong and soluble and and doing well. But it's also up to the towns to tell us what they want, and code is a great vehicle to have those conversations and bring those things in and the, the chair of the county is, um, does represent every single person in Loudoun County, and I learned yesterday there were 446, 516 people in Loudoun County, and I represent every single one of them, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: Um, yeah, so, and I would just say, like, it's always, it's always difficult doing this, because the, the, the priorities we're all gonna bring are a little bit different, you know, um, and, and the towns will feel that way, I will look at this list. If you go to attachment four and look at the county projects by election districts, the two fewest, the election districts with the two fewest projects are Dulles and Little River, where the most growth is, the newest parts of the county that I would argue have the most need. It's a function of sort of how our process works and what we're doing when, but you can parse it up any way, and that's why we all kind of come here and, and do this, but certainly open to further discussion on how to prioritize and all that. Um, The concern I had, just to answer Supervisor Kirchner on 15 and Hogback Mountain, was more why it's a roundabout. Because typically, I have a lot of experience with roundabouts, as I guess Mr. Hemstreet, you know too, Mark, been around here a long time, you know we've done some pretty prominent roundabouts in my neck of the woods. And usually, in a roundabout, you wanna see roughly equal traffic coming from every direction. You don't wanna disturb the throughput traffic and make them slow down to 25 miles an hour and go around a roundabout, unless you have a roughly equal. So like at 50 and 15, that's what we have, some of the other ones that we've done. In this case, they can't be anything close to that. You know, it, it's, you know, Supervisor Tacroni and I are the two that take this all the time. We're on 15 in this stretch all the time, going back home to here. So I mean, I, I just took it, just was just, just through it. And I'm sure at certain times of the day at peak hours when the winery is really popping, yes, there's a lot of traffic coming out of there, but during a normal rush hour, there's not. There's almost none. So I question the whole concept of the roundabout in this location as opposed to some other safety improvements such as turn lanes or a signal or something like that. So that, I guess I'll submit that as a question. I'm not trying to go after Supervisor Kirster's project. It was a it was a it was a board corridor <laughs> study that came to us, and I raised some of these things. Um, but I do think actually, Supervisor Kirster, if you were to pull your constituents who use 15, a lot of them probably wouldn't be thrilled about having to slow down here just for the relatively minimal it's not a it's not an equalized amount of traffic. That's all I'm saying. So
5: you want me to answer that? Sure, sure, go ahead. I, I mean, I know that we had a a, um, a committee that was all put together of stakeholders in that corridor, and I think that was the majority request. So I, I can't speak on, I haven't taken a, a polling of everybody else, but I do know. Yeah,
0: that well, it. I mean, we have time to talk about it, but I will say the Harmony was the one that actually had a, high, a higher number of crashes and bigger issue, and then 50 and 50 itself did too, but go ahead, Nance.
7: So my two cents, I'm not speaking specifically about this particular roundabout, but just in general, roundabouts, one of the biggest benefits of roundabouts is from a safety perspective, because it minimizes the left-hand conflicts, right? So in a typical intersection without a roundabout, there are multiple, multiple conflicts with the left turns that are allowed. With a roundabout, it's all right turns. And so, from a safety perspective, and from an operations in terms of actually handling traffic, it doesn't necessarily have to be equalized on all legs. Um, from an operational and a safety perspective, there are almost, in many, many cases, the vast majority of cases, a roundabout is going to be a very efficient and safer alternative. Um, but that said, there are many different, you know, as we evaluate different intersection options, intersection control options, there are many different ones. Yeah. Um, does anyone here on the team want to add anything specific to this inter- intersection? No, Okay. So I'll just say, I'll leave, leave it at that then.
0: All right, um, so what I was going to do is, we'll start maybe the scenarios unless anybody else has questions. you have another question? I do, I'm sorry. Yeah, sure, that's fine, yeah. go ahead.
2: Um, so uh, I did ha- <clears throat> submit this question and I was, I don't know, I, the, the answer was a little bit murky for me and that's the one about the um, sidewalks and trails on Potomac View Road. And I believe it is the the west side that's going to be completed first because it has a higher um, it has a high, higher rating in the sidewalks and trails program. But then the east side is also a fairly highly rated section that needs to get done. And so my question was, <clears throat> if we're going to have the project on the west side, wouldn't it make sense to do the project on the east side while you're there? And the answer was we always look at combining projects. So I guess my, my question is like, when does that happen? And, and at what point would you evaluate any sort of cost savings that might occur, you know, resource sit time, resource savings that might occur if you were just to do the, the projects at the same time? Because they're like right across the street from each other
8: yeah the, these came in under different studies so the the one was a higher rank priority and it came in a different year so it is already through the design in the design process okay so it is it is further ahead than the other one which is still in the planning stages and not yet into design so um they're funded in different years so we would either have to advance the funding to get one earlier or to delay the other project to have them go at the same time. Uh, But there are no real efficiencies in doing them because they are on opposite sides of the road. Uh Um, And when we were saying combining projects, we're really saying when one sidewalk segment kind of leads into the next, so you have continuous sidewalk path, we'll, we'll look at both of those at the same time. But on opposite sides of the street, not a, not a lot of operational efficiency. Oh,
7: really? Okay. And I would add that there's something to be said for not having them both under construction at the same time. Yeah, that, that thought crossed
2: eighties. crossed my mind as well. Okay, all right, thank you.
0: Okay. Mr. Kircher, did you have a pressing question? I just wanted to ask staff
5: one very, very quickly. Um, I know I, I talked about the towns. I don't know if there, it's possible between now and when we come back to the full board to possibly look at, because there are a number of really small, fairly inexpensive projects in the town. Just look at them come back maybe discuss with me um if
0: there are possible funding scenarios for any of those
5: uh, especially lower lower level ones thank
0: you so what they'll kind of say is is also if you have ideas within your own district yeah um right
1: that's correct all cip revenues are fully programmed so if there is a funding scenario to add projects we would request a project offset
0: yeah so um I was going to try to see if I could get the Bull Run Post Office Road realignment projects up into the slot that the 7690 project was in, specifically the, um, the design phase of that, um, which I think is about 1.675 million. Um, just some background on this this has kind of been an issue that's popped on us suddenly and i'm sure everybody's kind of has some of those where um, south of Braddock road bull run post office road, if you look at it on a map it has a 90 degree turn i'm not exaggerating it's literally a 90 degree turn um curve and we've had a great deal of by right development that's come in down here and so just in the last year or so, the volumes have really started increasing and accidents have started coming and the residents are kind of bewildered by disalignment, which is a remnant of when this was all farmland and country. Um, and of course, it doesn't help that they were sold a bill of goods by their developers who told them that this was all gonna get fixed and of course, there is no CIP project. So we've been working with staff for quite a few months on what it would take to fix this, and basically we've gotta realign it by fixing that curve. Um, So I would like to at least, you know, since this was on the priority list, move it up and try to use the 7690 money that's now open for that purpose. So that is a scenario.
10: Supervisor Letourneau, um, because you asked the question of what the cost of that project would be, I just corrected the slide to show the project cost that we gave you in the packet for that project segment. So we're all talking kind of apples yeah,
0: to apples. Yeah, but the, so does the, does the design money specifically, how much does that go up by then?
10: The, the dollars that are in the packet are the escalated dollars out to, the, they're the correct time frame that you would need. So the design funding of 1.675, that is a, an fy 2030 dollars So that's okay. roughly the target. And what was
0: land acquisition? Sorry, I'm finding it here.
10: Um, an, another $1 million
0: dollars. So we could do potentially both of those, right? Yes. Okay. okay, so I would put that forward as a scenario. We're not voting on these tonight, but that's something to come back for us that we would vote on. Are there other scenarios or requests that folks have. You did want to do this, yeah. Um, Okay, do you want to make your motion?
2: (laughs) Thank you. Um, I move the Finance, Government, Operations, and Economic Development Development Committee recommend the Board of Supervisors, direct staff to add a passive park project on the Askegrins property to the projects identified for future development in the future development section of the FY 2025 FY 2030 capital improvement program. Second,
0: thank That's you. May second by Chair Randall.
2: Thank you. Um, so, uh, just briefly, um, this this just adds it into our future list. It doesn't, you know, displace any projects. It doesn't even add it into the program that we're going to be approving, except to add it to the future years list. Um, so we've got it there. Thank you.
0: Further discussion on that motion? Seeing none, all in favor say aye. 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 Anyone opposed? Motion's five zero, so direction there is to add that into the future projects list. Are there any other comments, questions, scenarios on this CIP? (laughs) Seeing none, so I think what we'll do, given that the work session on this following should not take very long as we'll just have our normal finance committee meeting and add this as an item in it. I don't think we need to come early or anything like that. Yeah, okay. Anything else that staff would like to bring to our attention or discuss?
1: I do not have anything to add.
0: All right. There is food available in the Levis room. That was just delivered and We are adjourned.